Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Well, we got a couple things this morning. It's not too late to join the ladies' Bible study. It's held every Tuesday morning from 9 a.m. through 11 a.m. in our multi-purpose room. Heather, Bur Heather Book is teaching a study called Throne Room Confidence on the subject of prayer. Uh, the study just costs $5 if you want to join. If you have any other information, you can reach out to Heather Book. Uh, the Day Daybreak Church and In Him Wellness are uh, partnering up to offer a Mental Health Matters Conference. This is next Saturday, February 17th at 8.30 a.m. through 12.30 p.m. Uh, you can connect with local mental health partners, uh, attend educational workshops, and engage with others pursuing a holistic wellness. It's a free event. Uh, if you want more information, we, do, we sent out the weekly email this past week, and there's a link on there. Uh, that you can register as well as see some more information on that. The ladies' spring lunch is on Saturday, April 27th. So it's still a little bit away, but we need you guys now. So if you're interested in creating a beautiful tablescape for this event, please reach out to Christy Miller. Is she in here right now? I think she's helping with children's right now. Yes, she's... She's helping with children. Her email is up here. I was hoping to have her give you guys a wave, but she was not in here right now. She's, she's helping out with the children right now, so. Which is not a bad idea if you guys want to help with that as well. <laughs> the spaghetti dinner is the following Saturday. Um, not this coming Saturday, but following one, the 24th. Uh, it's 4 to 7 p.m. is the actual dinner. So feel free to join us for that event. It's a great opportunity for our students to raise funds for their accounts. Uh, they can use these for retreats, uh, missions opportunities, and just other events that we do as a, a youth group. So it's a great time for them to raise those funds, but it's also a great time for us to just fellowship together as a church. Um, it's a free event, and we do accept donations at the time of the event as well. Um, we still have some food items that we're still in need of uh, to put on the spaghetti dinner. So I did include a list out on the table there. There's also another paper with a QR code that should take you straight to the Sign Up Genius. There's a couple other things that aren't on that list that we still need a few items of, but I put that list out there because they were uh, the main things that we still need a good portion of. So we still need a good bit of some sauces, some spaghetti noodles, uh, some sliced Italian bread, um, so those are some of the items that you can see, but there's more items on that list that you can check out out there. Hey, we want to thank you guys just for how gracious you've been with your giving. And, you know, giving is part of the way that we worship God. And I want to remind you guys that you can give online, but you can also give here in the back. We have a box on the wall here <laughs> um, that you can go ahead and drop your offering in each week as well. At this time, would you all please stand with me as we open in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. God, will we just clear our hearts and our minds? We'll be fo only focused on you, God. 
as we open up your word, would we be challenged to live our lives more according to your will? As we sing songs, would it be a praise that is glorifying and honoring to you? But God, would our praise not stop just while we're here this morning? Would we take it with us? Will we be praising you in the actions, the words that we say, the ways that we interact with others, so much so that others can recognize that you are dwelling in us, God? As we all go out and have different plans for uh, the evening activities with a big game, would, would our fellowship be glorifying to you, God? And as we come across people that might not know you, will we take up the opportunity to share all that you've done in our lives? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. We're starting this morning with Sing Hallelujah. It's a song we introduced to you two weeks ago. Focuses on the goodness of God and as I've talked with some of you throughout this week and some of you this morning, uh, I think it's been a difficult week for a lot of us. Um, so I love the way that this can help to focus our hearts on how God's goodness is good no matter what else is happening. Let's worship God together. It's not my worship that makes you worthy, God, you were always good. With or without my song, you're still holy, God, you were always good. And I can't help, hallelujah, I've got to let it out. You've never needed my voice to cry holy, still I stand to say you're good. With my whole heart, sing alleluia, sing alleluia. I get to sing it forever. Louder I sing alleluia, alleluia. It's not my worship that makes you worthy, God, you were always good. With or without my song, you're still holy, God, you were always good. If I had 10,000 tongues, I still couldn't say enough. You never needed my gifts to be worthy, still I get to say you're good. With my whole heart, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. I get to sing it forever, louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. With my whole heart. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. I get to sing it forever. Louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. Your goodness, Your goodness is, is 
goodness has been, your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me. Hallelujah in the highest, you are good. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me. Hallelujah in the highest, you are good. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me. Hallelujah in the highest, you are good. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me. Hallelujah in the highest, you are good. With my whole heart, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. I get to sing it forever. Louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. stars the moon and stars they were the morning sun was dead the savior of the world was fallen his body on the cross his blood poured out for us the weight of every curse upon him one final breath he gave as heaven looked away the son of god was laid in darkness the battle in the grave the war on death was waged the power of hell forever broken the ground began to shake the stone was rolled away his perfect love could not be overcome. His death will raise your sting. Thou has erected a king, has rendered you defeated. Forever he is glorified. Forever he is risen 
beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one. Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. You're the name above all names. you are great. May our focus be upon you, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Boys and girls, you're dismissed for Children's Church. Last Sunday, I mentioned to you uh, a prayer concern for the Collins family, Ben and Susie and children that serve um, with ABWE in Thailand, 
uh, that Susie had had some medical concerns and had to be back in the States for a while and uh, was now back in Thailand but still on medical leave. Well, uh, first part of this week we received word um, from Ray Hens, who is their supervisor, that um, their little nine-month-old boy, Lazarus, had passed away from SIDS. So that is a very, very difficult time. And you know, as we sing about the goodness of God, these are the times that we're really stretched. But he's still good, and he's still with them. So be praying for them. Uh, Ray is going to be uh, heading over to Thailand to give some support as their supervisor, and he'll be leaving the end of this week. And uh, he wanted you to know that if you wanted to send any kind of cards to them through him, you could do that, but he need to have them by Wednesday night. Um, his address is here. You can catch him by a phone and make contact, but he will be here Wednesday night for Awana with his kids, so you could get those here to the church, and he'll pick them up Wednesday night if you want to get something uh, to send to them to encourage them and know of your prayers. But let's, uh, let's join together in prayer right now. Father, these type of things are just... Uh, Wow, too great for us to think about in light of uh, the pain and, and uh, distress that this brings to a family. We thank you for the hope of eternal life that even for little Lazarus, Lord, what a name, <laughs> but we think of him uh, truly being raised from the dead in your presence. And uh, we thank you that we have eternity someday to be fully healed from all of the grief and pain that this life brings. But Lord, in the midst of it all, we pray for uh, Susie, particularly with the other struggles that she's had and now this, for Ben and the children. Lord, you are the God of comfort. You've told us that in your word. And your spirit who resides in us is the comforter. So Lord, we call out to you, Lord, for your comfort to be great and touching them in this deep time of need. Lord, help us to be those that care for them in prayer as well. And Lord, uh, we just ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. That is so tough. Well, uh, this is a big day and a big week. All right? It's Super Bowl day. Anybody wearing red today? I see a few red. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping to wear green today, but it didn't happen. <laughs> and some others want some other kind of green, too. I know, yeah, right. Keys head. But, um, yeah, and some Detroit fans. I've talked to a variety of you out here. We've got a lot of, lot of spread here as far as that. I, I did want to report, though, uh, that if you were wondering, uh, Taylor Swift did land in uh, Los Angeles yesterday afternoon at 3.30, and it looks really positive. She's going to be there. So, yeah, I knew you were concerned about that. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get that out of the way. See, we just kind of clear the air of some of this stuff. All right. But the big deal is Wednesday is Valentine's Day. All right. And, and some of you guys needed to be reminded. All right. Now it's on you now. All right. Okay. You no excuses. All right. Valentine's Day, Wednesday, big time. All right. Well, we're continuing in our second period, second period, second Peter. 
You have to put up with me every week. I say all kind of crazy things. All right, the second Peter study, and uh, our focus, of course, is living in the knowledge, the true knowledge of God. And uh, we're heading in uh, to the end of chapter 1 today, as we'll be in verses uh, 16 to 21. And it's a long title, long title today, okay? We can trust the testimony of the apostles and the prophecy of Scripture. Very significant uh, focus here as Peter has been talking to us and the believers that he's writing to about the importance of knowing that knowing God comes because he has made it possible for us to know him. He, he, he's really reached out in so many ways that we would know him and particularly in paying for our sins on the cross and belief in Christ. And, and uh, that all comes out as we're getting to chapter 2 as he's dealing with false teaching. But, but he also talked about, as we were going through this whole issue of, remember last week, supplements, all right? That there are things that we, we do know God because of what he's done to make it possible to know him. But we also can know him more as we take advantage of the things he gives us to supplement our faith, to grow in him through the Holy Spirit's work in our heart and life. So today... He is also going to be focusing on a major ingredient in our growth, and that is really the Word of God. It really is that through the testimony of the apostles and the prophets in the Old Testament, we have solid guidance in the truth that leads us to faith and deeper faith. And so we're going to talk about that today. And so... um, you know, as we think about trust, how do you get to a place where you can trust somebody? Who do you trust? Hopefully you can trust your spouse, all right? Kids, hopefully you can trust your parents, all right? Um, but, but how do you get there? I mean, sometimes you trust somebody that you find out later you can't really trust. You ever had that happen? Yeah. People destroy. And you, how long does it take to rebuild trust? Somebody breaks trust. That's a big deal. Yeah. I often talk about that with couples, uh, you know, getting married. Uh, as we talk about the whole issue. Tr- I mean, mar- trust is a key factor to a good marriage. <laughs> if you don't have trust with each other, ooh, and it's, and it's hard to rebuild it if it's been broken. I mean, I've seen it happen, but it doesn't happen like that. You know, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of forgiveness. It takes a lot of God's help. But you know, as we talk about trusting the apostles, what are the reasons that we should trust them? Well, Peter's going to be talking about that today. You know, uh, people prove their trustworthiness by their experiences, uh, what we see comes out of that, um, and, uh, and also the testimony of others. I know sometimes I have been able to trust somebody because somebody I know that I trust trusts that person. You ever do that? I mean, when I go to read a book, you ever do this? First thing I do when I go to read a book is I flip it over and I see who they are, what they've done, then I look inside and I see who speaks of them and gives credence to who they are. And if those people are people that I know and I have trust in, then I say, oh, this is somebody I want to read. Okay. Um, I just had an interesting experience. Actually, today, uh, Brian was talking in his class about a particular person and I'll mention next week, I won't give you their name right now, but we'll talk about it a little bit next week because we're getting into this false teacher idea, all right? And um, 
and this person is a false teacher. I have one of their books in my library. I haven't read it. The reason I have the book is because somebody that I trust was reading that book. <laughs> well, doesn't always prove true, okay? Be careful. And we're going to talk about that today. Okay, why can you trust the apostles? Why can you trust the prophecy of Scripture? And there's good reasons, and Peter is making this very clear for a good reason. Because as he gets into chapter 2, and we'll be in it next week and the following, all right, he's talking about false teachers. And we need to be grounded in the things that we can trust and are true in our faith so that we're not misled by those who are not true to the things of God. All right? So that's where we're going today and where we're going in the weeks to come. So let's take a look first in verses 16 to 18. I want to take that first section and uh, then we'll get to the other part later in the message. But I want to read verses 16 to 18. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Now, Peter begins this section, as you see, by stating that the apostles are not guilty of making up clever stories. Interesting phrase. Okay. Apparently, the false teachers that he's going to be talking about in the latter part of this letter, as we get into next week, um, two things about them. First, apparently they were accusing the apostles of making up clever stories, of, of the things that they were saying were just kind of nice stories, but they really weren't something of substance that you really could stake your life on and really you could trust. Okay, so he's, he's addressing that. As we get into the false teachers next week, we're going to find that that's what they did. <laughs> they, they made up clever stories. I mean, people believed them because it kind of sounded good, you know. It tickled the ears. It was, it was, they were good speakers, all right. They were good with people. They could get your attention. They could keep your attention. You know, there's a lot of people today that uh, are really good in uh, crowd speaking, in public speaking. doesn't mean everything they say you should believe, right? Okay. And so they're trying to accuse the apostles of the same type of activity. Well, Peter says that's not who we are. And immediately he, uh, he goes right into their experience. Um, that as these false teachers really ultimately are undermining who Christ is and what he did and our need of him, Peter immediately goes to the credentials of the apostles, particularly himself and James and John, right? The three close ones to Jesus, right? The closest of the 12, who were taken up with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. <clears throat> That's recorded in all in th the first three Gospels, okay, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John does not include the Transfiguration. All right, but we have in Matthew <clears throat> the writing about uh, the Transfiguration, and um, and we're going to consider that this morning. Excuse me, just a minute here. I got away from myself. Let me get back over here. All right, here we are. <laughs> 
Before we get to the transfiguration, though, I do want to mention that this whole issue of false teachers um, is not something that should be surprising to the believers that Peter is talking about, talking with. And it shouldn't be surprising to us if we've read our Bible. Uh, it shouldn't be surprising because Jesus said it's going to happen. There's going to be all kinds of people between the time that he ascended to the time he returns who will be acting like they're telling you the truth, but they're not. As a matter of fact, he even said there would be people who would be acting like they were the Messiah. All right? But he clearly says in Matthew 10.40, he says, anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. So believe these apostles that I'm sending out because I'm giving them authority to go with the word. They're the ones that you should look to as giving you the truth, not those who stand up and say something different. And so Jesus gives the backing to the apostles. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.20 that the church of Jesus Christ is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have read those passages, certainly in light of who we are today, but really, as we think about it in context of what Peter's saying today, Jesus is talking about his apostles. He's talking to his disciples. He's saying, you're the ones. <laughs> now, I've been watching a little bit of The Chosen, okay? Some of you have probably have seen some of that. And it's interesting to see, uh, to be reminded of who these that are chosen are. And it's kind of interesting, the character, people that they've had to play different roles. Uh, if you've watched any of it, you know, Matthew's sort of an autistic guy, and, you know, he's, he's really into figures because he was a tax collector, and, and is really wacky. But, but, but you know, and, and then they're arguing with each other. I mean, last night I was watching, and they were sitting around the table. Jesus wasn't there. He was out for two days trying to, well, he was praying through something, obviously, and, and, um, and they're arguing. Okay. I mean, that's all the craziness that was going on lots of times. If you really read the reality of these, they weren't like saintly people following Jesus. They were ones he chose that he was going to teach and train and give authority to, and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they are the apostles that the church was built upon. looks weird when you're thinking about it in the context of him leading them for three years because they weren't there yet. <laughs> Peter certainly wasn't there yet, right? And we'll be talking more about that in this letter. But once the Spirit came upon them, all of the things that Jesus predicted began to happen, right? But Jesus says all authority is his, and he gives it to these that go. The apostles were those who were chosen by Christ, actually walked with him for three years of his ministry on earth. They were eyewitnesses of who he was and what he did. Now, the apostle Paul also uh, is included, as we look at scriptural history, as an apostle, one who had seen the resurrected Jesus, not at the time that the other apostles did, okay, but was raised up as one who would serve as a leader in the early church, establishing the church. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul speaks of himself 
this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 8 and 9. He says, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw Jesus, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. Paul obviously lived out the life of an apostle and the authority that was given to those to start the church, to teach the church, to write to the church, and we have that today. The apostle were those Jesus appointed and gave authority to, not those who stood up and said, I, I am an apostle. I mean, we, we see some of that today. I see some people stand up, well, I'm an apostle. You need to live to listen to me. What, what makes you that, right? Okay. Well, we know with these, they definitely were chosen by Christ. And the church was begun by the apostles at Pentecost. They, they were filled by the Holy Spirit as they met privately in prayer. And then Peter preached the sermon to the crowds in Jerusalem, declaring that all needed to repent and come to Jesus as Savior. And over 3,000 responded. And then the new believers were told, were told, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. <laughs> that was the strength of the early church, the apostles' teaching. We have the apostles' teaching, don't we? We're reading it too. We're reading one of them today. Okay. And uh, so the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and the church grew. So Peter, in this passage, confronts the false teaching with a firsthand witness of the transfiguration. One of the accusations of the false teachers is that the apostles have taught that Jesus will return but it hasn't happened, so they are just making it up. Later in the passage here and his writing, Peter speaks specifically to this, this accusation that, that it's not happening, so don't believe it. He talks about God being patient with you, not wanting any to perish. Okay, and we thank God for that. Aren't you thankful that God waited? <laughs> All right, that, that judgment hasn't come before you believed? All right, hallelujah, <laughs> he is patient, and we're all thankful, and, and, and he's patient with others that maybe drive you nuts. Yeah, he, we all should have God's attitude on this, right? Aren't we thankful he's waiting for somebody else to get saved too? And, and maybe we're a part of it, that, that we can help them come to know him. All right, so this is a good perspective for us to have. But Peter addresses this issue of the second coming by basically saying, hey, we saw something that you need to be aware of. <laughs> and this gives authority, and you can trust that we're giving you the truth. We were there at the transfiguration. Notice how he writes this. He said, um, we, he says, when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, it wasn't a clever story, he's saying. And the reason I'm telling you that, because we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes, when he received honor and glory from God the Father. And he talks about the voice of God that they heard. They saw it with their own eyes. As I mentioned, this account is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're told in those passages that the transfiguration took place a few days after Jesus had spoken to his disciples, telling them, that he would return in glory with his angels to judge all people. So really the transformation came at a time, as a matter of fact, the, 
the, the writers of those Gospels make it clear that a few days later, after he said those things, this happened. So the account is clear that this is a proof or a direct connection to Jesus speaking about his return. All right. So they're up there on the Mount of Transfiguration. As you read in Matthew chapter 17, he says that Jesus had taken these three up on a high mountain to be alone. As they watched, Jesus was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Moses and Elijah then appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter wanted to build three shelters as memorials. But at that moment, God spoke saying, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Well, the disciples, their response was, they fell to the ground, afraid. But Jesus says, do not be afraid. And as they went down from the mountain, he told them to not tell anyone what they had seen until he was raised from the dead. Well, it's been quite a while since that happened, as Peter writes there, 30-some years. Okay. And so Peter now writes clearly about his experience, pointing out that they had heard the voice of God from heaven on that mountain. He wants the believers to be confident that Jesus is God the Son and will return in power. They had a pre-glimpse of his glory. I can't imagine what that was like. Knocked them down. You know, often think about when we get to heaven, people say, well, I'm going to ask God this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I just think we're going to be in our faces. <laughs> you know, people say true worship of God sometimes. And, and by the way, I'm not against raising our hands. The Bible talks about raising our hands in worship, okay? Not a bad thing. But I think really when we're in the presence of God, oh, Lord, we bow before him. He's so great, so amazing. So powerful. And Jesus is God. All right? His glory was shown on the Mount of Transfiguration. And God the Father spoke about who he is. This is my son in whom I find great joy. Listen to him. Jesus brings us to earth, God himself give us the message and the way of salvation. So Peter uh, says to the believers that he's writing to that we've had this pre-glimpse of his glory. This is the way he will be when he returns. They had seen his majestic splendor. They saw the reality of the divinity of Christ. There on that mountain. No longer limited by the humanity that he took on when he came to save us. But they saw him in power. And Peter then writes of having confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets as a result. Let's move on to verses 19 to 21. He says, because of that experience... We have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, 
For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your heart. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So Peter talks about trusting the testimony of the apostles Now he moves to trusting the prophecy of Scripture. He says that because of the experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, he says we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. Now the we here that he says is not just the apostles, okay? It's obvious in the original context that this confidence is for all believers, not just for those that were there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's saying, because we saw that, we have more confidence, and you too have more confidence in what God has done in Christ, and particularly in what we read in His Holy Word. So as Peter began this letter, speaking of all that God has given us so that we can know Him, he continues that theme here. He gave the word of the prophets. And he continues to confirm his word to us in the experiences of life. In light of these statements by Peter, it's likely that the false teachers were not only questioning the authority of the apostles, but also the authority of Scripture. Peter is saying, we have every reason to trust Scripture more and more as we see God at work in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that is written. All of Scripture points to Him. Through faith in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit who guides us into truth so that we understand the Scriptures and know how to apply them in our lives. I trust you've seen that in your life. I know I have in mine. You know, I I read the Bible before I was a believer, but it wasn't the same. Once the Spirit of God dwells in you, (laughs) He helps you understand. Now, certainly God uses other, (laughs) hopefully He's using me here, and Brian, and others that teach in our church, uh, and others that you might listen to in other places, those who are gifted to teach and to preach. Okay, he helps us in that way. But we also have to be careful, right? (laughs) Because every preacher and teacher isn't somebody you should listen to. And that's what Peter's getting to here. But the Word of God is the key. The Word of God is the key, and it all points to Christ. And the Spirit of God helps us to understand the Word of God and apply it in our lives so we live out our faith in Christ. The Spirit of God will never tell you anything that is against the Word of God. You hear me? The Spirit of God will never tell you to do or be anything that is against what God teaches in His Word. The Spirit of God and the Word of God are always in sync with each other. And the Word of God will never guide you in any way that the Spirit of God is telling you differently. They go together. If you only focus on the Word of God and not have the Spirit of God guiding you, you can get into legalistic thinking. Well, it says this, and this is what it says. I mean, that's kind of sort of what the Pharisees got into. Right. It was all legalistic. But if you only get into the Spirit of God and you're in sort of a mystic approach to knowing God and don't have the direction of the Word of God, a lot of weird things happen together. That's so important. And Peter is saying, 
We have confidence in the prophets. You know, I wonder, and I think it had to be true, seeing Moses and Elijah up on that mountain with Jesus and talking with him, we don't know what they said to each other, but it had to have some impact on Peter as he writes this. I mean, the two key, these are two key individuals, of course, from the Old Testament. Moses, of course, who led the people of Israel out of Egypt and um, certainly uh, is looked to as the Jewish uh, faith, as the really founder and the, the, the real basic bottom link, of their, uh, link to their faith. And, and uh, he's there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Elijah. <laughs> Elijah, who kind of went up from this earth without death. <laughs> kind of an amazing guy, too. Yeah, and so Peter, of course, he, back then, when Peter was Peter before the Holy Spirit came upon him, he's, he's wanting to make a memorial. Okay, let's, let's build little, little buildings up here. Uh, this will be, wonder this would be wonderful. We can all kind of maybe sell tickets and make some extra money for us apostles. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking about, but he certainly was doing something that Jesus says, no, that's, that's not what this is about. Matter of fact, God the Father stopped it right there and said, that's when the voice came. No, no, it's not about building these little things here. Not, not doing an earthly thing about a supernatural thing. All right? Instead, you listen to what Jesus says because he's my God. I'm pleasing him. The, the, the strength of your faith, the strength of your life is found in him. And so Moses and Elijah are there to say, yeah, Jesus is the one. That, that's really what's happening on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're there with Jesus saying, Jesus is the one we talked about. Jesus is the one we pointed to. All right? It's all fulfilled in him. And you think about Moses. What a day that would have been. Because you remember Moses' story because he struck the rock instead of spoke to the rock that he was not allowed to go into the promised land. I've stood on Mount Nebo in Jordan. Hoping to get over there again this year. I'm not sure it's going to happen. All right? But I've stood there and it just struck me. Here's Moses he spent all these years with these disobedient people, had to be in the desert for all that time when he himself had faith and would want to go forward. And then he gets to that place, and because, because he really didn't follow what God said, there were consequences. And that's a good lesson to us all. But he got to the promised land. <laughs> he might have not got there in this earthly life, but he, got, he actually got to stand on the Mount of Transfiguration in the promised land with Jesus. That's a good word to us all. Even if you've messed up somewhere, the redemption of Jesus Christ makes it possible that no matter what mess up you've had, if your faith is in him and him alone, and he is redeeming you and transforming you in this life, you will be with him in eternity forever. Aren't you glad? Amen. So Peter is writing with that strength as he writes here. And he's saying we can have confidence in all of these things because of what God has said in his word. And all of his word points to Christ because it is Jesus who redeems. It is Jesus who forgives. It is Jesus who restores. It is Jesus who makes all things new. No one else. And so Peter takes this thought and broadens it to all of Scripture. He says, you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. 
That verse specifically reminds us, I'm sure it did those he was writing to, of Psalm 119, 105. You know that, you know that verse? Anybody have memorized that one? I bet you did and you didn't remember where it was. Okay, but it says, your word is a lamp, if, you had, if you're like me and you memorize it in the King James, unto my feet, right? The New Living says, your, words, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And the Word of God is that. It will lead us to confidence in Jesus and in His return. The words of the prophets, if we pay close attention to them, will lead us to when the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. The prophets spoke over and over again of the day of the Lord. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Amos, just to name a few. The day of the Lord is the day of God's judgment. The day when Jesus will come to reign completely over mankind. And so the words of the prophets will lead us to that day. A day of rejoicing for the believer and a day of dread for those who reject the Messiah. For this will be the completion of all that God has planned when Jesus will reign over all. And for believer, the morning star, Jesus, will shine in our hearts in fullness in that which we yearn for. Now, the term morning star is a reference to Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. It says there, a star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge from Israel. The image there is of a king reigning, King Jesus coming in power. And this is confirmed by the words of Jesus in Revelation 22, verse 16, where he says, I am the bright morning star. You know, the planet Venus is called the morning star because it is the last visible celestial being to disappear at sunrise. Jesus is the one we can depend on to be faithful through the darkness of night to the promise of his return. He will take us home. This is the hope of the believer. Peter then takes this opportunity to point out the process of inspiration in Scripture, giving confidence to the believer that it is the Word of God. Verses 20 and 21 defines how the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Perhaps the false teachers were saying things like, you may have heard even in your, our day, <laughs> Oh, the Bible is just the writing of men. It's just a bunch of myths and stories. You know what Peter says? No way. <laughs> the prophecies in Scripture never came from the writer's own understanding or initiative, he says. All right? He says, no, those who wrote down Scripture were moved by the Holy Spirit, and what they wrote is what God says. Now, he's not saying that the words were dictated. In other words, okay, they're just listening in these earphones and God says and they write it down. No, but that they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Douglas Moo, writing in the NIV application commentary, gives this insight about inspiration. He says, this human divine interplay is called concurrence. In this process, God prepared specific human beings through birth, environment, and the like, to communicate his word. 
these human beings genuinely spoke their own words, but the words they used were also just the words that God wanted them to use. Now, imbalance on this point, he says, is fatal. To deny the human element in Scripture is to ignore the reality of the individual personalities, writing styles, and situations that make up much of the richness of God's Word. But to deny the divine element or to reduce it simply to a vague influence is to deprive the Scriptures of their truthfulness and therefore ultimately of their authority. God has always been committed to communicate His truth to us in a way that we understand and touches us so that we can know Him and grow in Him. You can have confidence in His Word. You can read and understand it. And the Holy Spirit who moved the writers will also move you to know the Word and to apply the Word. Do not be led astray by those who try to undermine the authority of those God has chosen to communicate His truth and doubt that God has spoken. Rather, as Peter states here, believe and receive His Word, knowing that He is communicating His truth about Jesus to us throughout it, that we may have the hope in Christ today and the hope of His return tomorrow. As we close, I go back to what Peter says at the beginning of this letter. And that is that God has given us everything we need to grow in godliness. That's an amazing thought. Keep that thought. All that you need has been given to us to grow in godliness. And the two things we talked about today are so essential and important in what God has provided. Trust that we can have in the testimony of the apostles. We know one of them went astray. Judas was replaced by Matthias in Acts. But all of those that remained were full of the Holy Spirit, had been in the presence of Christ, were used of God to communicate His truth to us today. And we can believe that it is the truth of God. And as you believe, and as you read God's Word, as you read the writing of the apostles, as you consider what God says, and you allow it to touch your life, it will change us so that we become more and more like Jesus. But it's not just the apostles' word in the New Testament that we can trust. It's also all of the Word of God from Genesis on, that it has been communicated by God Himself that it is not just a bunch of words made up by men who wanted to convince somebody of something that they thought was important. It's the Word of God. As you read it, believe it. As you read it, ask the Spirit of God to teach you. As you read it, know that it will lead you to Christ. And as you read it, know that it also speaks of the ultimate victory of Christ in this fallen world. That's a hope, isn't it? Jesus will return. It's been a long time. And we might get like some of those that Peter addresses in this letter. And we might, not, might say, oh my goodness, this world is still a mess. Yes, it is. We might say, oh my goodness, we thought he was coming earlier. 
Yes, we did. <laughs> and we might say, oh, why didn't he come before I had that problem? Yes, we might say that. Oh, why don't you come today, Lord, because it's a mess right now. Ever thought like that? Absolutely. But it's not up to us. It's not up to us. And one of the things that Peter says in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, we'll talk more about it next week, but is that as we live a life of difficulty in this world, even that is God's plan for us to grow to be more like Christ. And He is the one that determines when our time is over. Okay? Now some of us here, wouldn't that be wonderful, might be lifted up like Elijah was, right, without seeing death, the return of Christ. Maybe not. My brother-in-law his whole life has said, I'm not going to die. Jesus is coming first. Now, my brother-in-law is a good man. He knows the scriptures. And he just, but he just always says that. Well, he's, he's older than me. And I'm saying, I'm not sure that's going to really happen, Larry. <laughs> But it might. I don't know. And if it does happen to him, it's going to happen to me too, right? Oh, wonderful. Okay. All right. And that will be good. But our hope is not in a date. Our hope is not in a particular moment of time that we try to determine. Our hope is in Jesus, who himself said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. <laughs> Only the Father knows. But he will come. He will, you can bank on it. And those who don't believe are lost. And we're not to rejoice in that, friends. We're to feel the burden of that. Such that we will be like those apostles that spoke to us and speak to others about their need of Christ. You can trust the word of the apostle. You can trust word of the prophet. You can trust the word of God. He has not let us be without truth. Let's read it. Let's listen to the Son. Let's apply what God has said. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you've given us all that we need to grow in godliness. You've given us salvation in Christ. You've given us your word to lead us to him and to keep us in him, and to guide us to grow in him. So may we be people of the word. May we be people of the spirit. May we be your ambassadors to a world that desperately needs us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we reflect on Pastor Glenn's message and the trust that we can have, the assurance in the testimony of the prophets. I'd like us to close the service today by affirming those beliefs in our hearts. Um, so if you would stand, please, for our last song. And uh, let's just declare this in our own hearts. And also, if you feel led, as we declare these beliefs that we have, sing them to each other as well, because this is our testimony too.
I believe there is one salvation, one doorway that leads to life, one redemption, one confession. I believe in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe. I believe in the crucifixion, by his blood I have been set free. I believe in the resurrection, hallelujah, his life is death's defeat. All praise to God the Father, all praise to Christ the Son, all praise to the Holy Spirit. Our God has overcome the King who was and is and ever were will be in Jesus' mighty name I believe. I believe. I believe in the hope of heaven, he's preparing a place for me, far beyond what the hearts imagine, ears have heard or eyes have seen. I believe that day is coming, he's returning to claim his bride. Light the altar, keep it burning, see the Lamb of God's a roaring lion. All praise to God the Father, all praise to Christ the Son, all praise to the Holy Spirit, our God has overcome. The King who was and is and evermore will be. In Jesus' mighty name, I believe. Let's sing it. I will never be ashamed. No, I'll be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? No, I'll never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? All praise to God the Father. All praise to Christ the Son. All praise to the Holy Spirit, our God has overcome. The King who was and is and evermore will be. In Jesus' mighty name I believe. In Jesus' mighty name I believe. In Jesus' mighty name, I believe. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you 
and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Have a great week. God bless you.